welcome to episode 33 of Slaytanic Vercast. You know how it works by now, guys. No need to explain what's happening here. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from Gareth Southgate, sacrificial in a sanctum, it's Dr. Lequesson. How are you doing, Doc? I'm very, very quiet because, well, this place has been very, very busy recently, mm. and I'm not quite sure it isn't going to continue to be busy for the next several days. Sure, let's um, fingers crossed. Evidently, all of the blood um, and all of the guts and all of the burning, well, something went well. So, something went well. Yeah, well, it, something right. Absolutely. It's paying off, isn't it? His, his demonic tendencies are at last seeing fruit. Yeah, um, and I, I couldn't help noticing that um, a transit van arrived um, about two weeks ago um, and men, not even in black robes, began unloading um, cardboard boxes. And mm. I couldn't help but sneak into the, um, the atrium vault, the vault next to the vault containing the satanic altar to find out what was inside the cardboard boxes. And uh, I studied the contents and I counted them. And there were 666 pairs of grey shorts. <laughs> was it those grey shorts, Doc? Yes, it was. Oh, God. Um, it's the, 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 the cursed shorts. Yeah. Did, did, did you set them alight? Well, I, I didn't because they were evidently intended for the sacrifice. Oh, yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know whether the shorts were sacrificed like by themselves in a, a, a single monumental burning or um, whether there, there were also 666 goats that were dressed up in the shorts. And then... <laughs> well, that, well, that's a, what a kinky image that is. Good look at all. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Now, you know, just a little peek behind the curtain. We're actually recording this on the 1st of July. So England have beaten Germany, but we are yet to face... Ukraine, Ukraine or the Ukraine, Doc? I'm never quite sure. I've heard both. Yeah, I have as well. I don't know. I don't know if one is kind of, is canon or not. I'm not sure. It would be fascinating if we could hear from someone from that part of the world who could explain it to us. Yeah, the, the, because, I'd be re I'd be really interested to know what the distinction um, is. I mean, I, I've I, I suspect it's like maybe a factional or a sectarian thing. Mm. Um, but. Um, Life is too short and I'm too ignorant to start discussing the sectarian politics of the former Soviet Union just at the moment. <laughs> That's fair enough. And then don't get me started on Congo or the Congo. But, you know, I'm not reading that. Um, Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, of course. I'm sorry. Yes, I'll, I'll give it its full name. Um, so as we speak, we do not know the result of the Ukraine game. So all of our jibing at, at Southgate for making a pact with the devil in order to beat the Germans may come off as rather foolish if results don't go correctly. I'm really confident, Doc. Terrible things happen when I get confident about England mm -hmm. performances in football matches. Yeah. Um, so I'm, <clears throat> I'm attempting to maintain an aura of zen-like tranquility and indifference. I don't blame um, you. I don't blame you. But I'm still wearing the same pants as Tuesday night, and I'm not taking them off until Sunday morning. And that's a promise to you, England. That's my effort. Um, do you know what I should have done? Because I still own them. I should have worn the same underpants that I wore... Um, the last time England, well, the, the England's last winning match in the European Cup of 1996. Mm -hmm, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, I mean, if we lose Doc, you know, now that you've revealed that, then everybody knows whose fault it is. And, you know, Absolutely. it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Doc, I want to talk to you. Talking to Germans, I want to talk to you about Ramstein. How, how familiar are you with uh, the works of Ramstein or Ramstein, however you want to pronounce it? Um, I, I know, I at least know that that, that one song, uh, Ich Will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I guess, the one that everyone knows. Yeah. From what I understand, Ramstein or Ramstein, Ramstein, I believe. Yeah, uh, I'd go Ramstein, but I'm, you know, only with like seventy percent confidence. Yeah, appear to be a blending of styles, none of which I care much for. Mm. So um, there's an element of German techno, there's an element of new metal, there's an element of the sort of ministry arm of industrial. Sure, so it's, oh, there's loads of ministry in them, isn't there? No doubt about that. And it's 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 a mixture of three different kinds of music, none of which I care. Um, need to make it clear right from the beginning. Love my German thrash. Mm-hmm. Love my German thrash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Millie Petroza, we're looking at you. German techno, um, my least favourite kind of dance music. Mm. Um, the ministry-ish, like Texas style industrial music. Um, my least favourite branch of industrial music. Mm. Um, if someone can explain to me what those people have in common at all with Robin Gristle, I'd love to hear that. Um, and new metal. Um, if you've listened to, ooh, I don't know, an episode of this podcast before, I, I've, I've probably found an excuse to bang on about my hatred of new metal. Yeah, yeah, it, it is something that, you know, I've been receiving complaints about Doc, your uh, in, incessant criticism of new metal, yeah, because of course, all the listeners to, to this show are avid new metal fans. Um, uh, well, I, I should probably say at the moment, um, it, it's, it, it's just jealousy, because yeah. um, obviously, um, lacking legs, I can't skate. No, that's true, that's true, and you, and you look absolutely ridiculous in uh, like knee-length shorts. Yeah. Um, once again, um, the the um, well, depending on what day of the week it is, either the lack of legs or the lack of merely two legs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I really can't pull those shorts off. I want to just briefly mention one of their more recent tracks, which is called Deutschland, a nine-minute epic. Um, the video is of cinematic standard. The music is as you'd expect. So if you don't like that style, Doc, then you're not going to like it. And that's fair enough. Um, but it's it's so in your face. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. It's it's edgy. It's edgy, man. You know, um, <laughs> it, 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 you know it, it takes quite a bit to, 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 to get my attention on the edgelord front. And, and, and this video certainly did, you know, their recanting of Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice is particularly um, of note. It's great. It's great. Though. Oh, give it a listen and, and, and see if you revise your opinion. As, as you have done on occasion on our other podcast, um, different doctors, same old shit, you know? Yeah, um, I will. I'll investigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as you know, I, I, I don't find... Germans flirting with German nationalism to be particularly edgy. Mm. Um, I've never found reactionary conservatism to be particularly edgy. Mm. Mm. Um, you may and, detest it, Doc. Re- report back next week, if you will. What was I going to say? Oh, yes, it's chow time, motherfuckers. We haven't done this for a few weeks, have we, Doc? 
Um, no, because we, 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 we decided that we're never going to make mistakes ever again. That's true, but unfortunately we've made three. <laughs> In fact, I think I've made three. Um, we were speculating, here's number one, we were speculating in the last episode, I think, about how Jeffrey Dahmer died. And we, we weren't quite sure, were we? Was he, was he shanked in the shower? Was he, did he take his own life? We, 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 we couldn't quite work, we couldn't quite remember. So here we go. On the morning of November the 28th, 1994, Dahmer left his cell to conduct his assigned work detail. Accompanying him were two fellow inmates, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver. The trio were left unsupervised in the showers of the prison gym for approximately 20 minutes. At approximately 8.10 a.m., Dharma was discovered on the floor of the bathroom of the gym, suffering from extreme head wounds. He had been severely bludgeoned about the head and face with a 20-inch metal bar. His head had been repeatedly struck against the wall in the assault. Although Dharma was still alive and was rushed to a nearby hospital, he was pronounced dead one hour later. Anderson had also been beaten with the same instrument and died two days later. So there we go, Doc. It seems like he was, um, you know, the, like the victim of a random attack because it doesn't seem like it was targeted at him if the other guy was taken out as well. Do you see what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, I... I... I had an idea that it was something to do with the prison beef, also yeah. involving like someone nominally on his side and someone very definitely not on his side. Yeah. And it, it doesn't appear to have been connected to any of his actual crimes. Mm, mm. Yeah, so something that happened once he arrived. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, the story seems to corroborate that, really. So, so maybe that Anderson guy was the one on his side and the dude that was against him got the better of both of them somehow. Um, uh, the somehow being he was in possession of a 20-inch long metal <laughs> That's bar. true. That is true. They were, they were, they, exactly. The, yeah, the, the clues are there. Uh, um, um, if, if, if you consult the um, Parachute Regiment Survival Handbook, um, you will notice in the frontispiece it says, um, the worst man with any weapon is more useful than the best man with no weapon. Oh, very good. Yeah, very, very good. Um, in the Reborn episode, I kept referring... To Rick Rubin, as Rick Rubin. I don't know why, but I thought I'd fess up. Whatever. Pedants. Um, and the last one, in the Altar of Sacrifice episode, we were speculating about what a shade is. Do you remember this, Doc? Yes. And, and we weren't quite clear. Well, neither of us could come up with a satisfactory definition. So I've gone to Wikipedia. Went round and round the houses about what's the definition between a shade and a wraith and a ghoul. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've gone to the repository of all accurate knowledge, which is Wikipedia. Um, and here's what they say. In literature and poetry, a shade trans... Oh, hang on. I've just lost my place. A shade, which is translating a Greek word that I honestly, I can't pronounce. Let me, I'll describe it to you. It's an O. It's only four letters. It's an O with like a little beak. Then the letter K. Then a, what looks like an L, but not a normal L. And then we've got an A with kind of an X stuck to the side of it with an acute angle. Good luck, Doc. Um, I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, good luck, sir. Um, so that, that, that's the word. And the Latin word is umbra, which, of course, is much more understandable. Um, mm -hmm. It's the spirit or ghost 
of a dead person specifically residing in the underworld. So now we know. Oh. I now understand. we know, Doc. You ready for your topic? Absolutely. Here we go. To this. Yeah, it's been a little while. Um, why is metal so male-dominated, both in terms of musicians and fans? Talk to me about that, Doc. I've been asked this question about many, many, many different things that I've been involved in. Mm. Um, different fan... Um, yeah, we'll call it fan cults. Yeah. Um, different... subculture, subculture stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Um, different occupations. Um, so mechanical engineering being the obvious one, or broadly speaking, engineering. I suspect um, if you were to ask... Um, and the fascinating thing is whenever people ask this question, they always ask the question to men. Um, whenever I get the chance, um, I ask women, have you ever mm. been asked this question? Mm. Um, why aren't you into metal? Why aren't yeah. you a mechanical engineer? Mm-hmm. Um, it's another one of these questions about gender politics that people only ever, and, and people only ever question men about it. Mm. Um, it did so, like a guilt trip, effectively. That, that, that's what you're suggesting, isn't it? There? Well, it, it's, it's a weird thing because effectively by choosing to ask the question only to men um you know that sort of modern identity politics is 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 very concerned with people having a voice um and there's there's this phrase which actually i like quite a lot which is if you don't tell your own stories then somebody else will tell them for you Mm -hmm. yeah um but people who ask this question presumably to make a very specific point about gender politics the people they never ask are like actual women I think the reason that, 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 you know, they don't ask this question to women is because they're not really interested in women's opinions. They're only interested in, 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 in making men feel bad about things they've got no control over. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's that considered, um, but I, I do share the point of irony that yeah. for a question which is presumably being asked to illume some point about gender politics, um, they're giving all of the voice and all of the opinion-making power to men and none of the voice and none of the opinion-making power to, actually, uh, to, to, to real actual women. Sure. I suppose one way you can approach the question is to reverse it. What would happen if someone were to ask me, um, why aren't you into creative needlework then? To which mm. my answer would be, but I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good, Doc, yes. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's a stupid reductivist question um, in its own right. Um, it's it's certainly something that I've been accused of in the past. Um, is kind of only being into blokey stuff, um, as, you know, as, as if that's a conscious choice that I've made. You know, I've chosen to be into horror and sci-fi and metal and football. You know, that like I've made these decisions deliberately as as like a provocation. Um, yeah, um, I think when it comes down to what subcultures people are into. In the vast majority of the cases, um, no one sets... I mean, belonging to a subculture, um, it has its advantages, but it can also be a burden. Um, identifying yourself as metal or identifying mm-hmm. yourself as sci-fi or horror or something, um, there's no way in which, in any normal society, that can be considered to be conferring an advantage on yourself or mm-hmm. straining for privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like being a merchant banker. Mm. which, by the way, is also male-dominated, but you never mm-hmm. see, you, you almost never hear anyone talk about that. 
you know, so you're saying, you know, I'm I'm not taking advantage of the of the patriarchy by listening to Morbid Angel. No, I, I mean, you know, if um, if someone can explain to me what advantage belonging to this exclusive Freemasonic boys only club has ever conferred upon me, I wish they'd tell me about it because yeah. I've, I've never perceived that I've gained any advantage from it. Sure, um, yes, and a you know, a glance at my bank account will confirm that. Uh, you know, it does not come with privilege. Correct. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still not answering your question. Um, That's all right, Doc. You've gone off on an interesting tangent. I mean, a, an extremely obvious and, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying this as to be mock self-deprecating. Um, I think there's really something in this. Um, generally speaking, girls are raised to be too self-consciously cool and concerned with fashion and concerned with other people's opinion to be fucking with shit like heavy metal and science fiction. There, there have been times in my life where I've thought to myself that um, actually that might not have been a bad road for me to take either. There, there, it, there, have, there have been some interesting um, studies in, I think in Finland in particular, where, you know, where, where they, have, they have acted, you know, obviously like a very progressive society, Finland, and, 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 and kudos to them for that. They've actively um, pursued and encouraged uh, women to go into the sciences, for example, to go into computer programming and things like this. And what it turns, you know, according to the to the Finnish studies, what it turns out is women just don't really want to do that stuff, you know. So they don't. I mean, in in all of these things, what we're lacking is anything that might be vaguely considered evidence. Mm. Mm. Um, and you know the. The barrier you can't get over is that um, if group X chooses not to participate in activity Y, um, if they claim it's because they've chosen not to, then that must be a product of false consciousness. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's merely the psychologist's version of when Christians say um, they were possessed by demons. This is like you, you're talking about my, you know, you know, my unconscious bias against women by cho by choosing to be into into blokey things, aren't you? Basically, you know, this this kind of idea, this idea that you know my selection of of pastimes somehow represses women, um, or maybe uh, that would count. What I'm actually talking about is kind of the reverse of that, which is um, if you picked. Um, a member of Group X will say a woman um, and say and, and, and said, why did you choose not to become a software engineer or why did you choose not to become a, a, a mechanical engineer? Yeah. And this, this is the weird reductionist misogyny, which sometimes, bitter irony, comes along with progressive thinking. Because if the person you're questioning says, I didn't want to, mm -hmm. um, there's a temptation amongst a certain stripe of psychologist to attribute that um well it superficially looks like self-assertion but it can't possibly be self-assertion it must be a product of false consciousness it's odd and it's equally it's equally patronizing in its own way uh, because what you're practically doing is saying to your question subject patting your question subject on the head and saying um, dear, you couldn't possibly have thought of that all by yourself. Yeah, no, um, I, mean, I mean, to me, what you're talking about reminds me of, um, you know, when the when the BBC adapted, a, adopted, sorry, not adapted, adopted a policy 
of um, having, you know, at least one woman and at least one BAME person on panel shows. And, and you know, as a liberal person myself, of course I want to see more black people, more brown people, more women, you know, doing well in those kind of forums. But, but there is a deep patronizing sense that, you know, you, you, you know, you're just kind of here because you've got to be. There's, there's that element of tokenism, unfortunately, isn't there? Um, well, this has always been, uh, I mean, going right the way back to the 1950s, this has always been the argument against affirmative action of any kind. Yeah. Um, and it's the experience of um, people from, once again, ghastly word, because women aren't even a minority, but people from minorities mm. um, who attain a position by whatever means um, and they're still consistently patronised and looked down on for reasons of, well, you're only here because you're... Yeah, well, the, I mean, I mean the, 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 the terrible kind of old-fashioned view of that was, you know, she kind of slipped her way to the top, wasn't it? I mean, that, 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 was, that was the, you know, reductive, old-fashioned way to view that kind of situation. Um, yeah, or um, since we were talking about the 1950s, um, so obviously during World War II, um, and during immediate, uh, like the immediate period of um, post-war deprivation, when there really weren't men, all that many adult men around, mm. um, women were consumed as a labour resource. Mm. Um, and then when um, there got to be enough adult men around, they were expected to go quietly back to their sort of pre-Victorian roles. Sure. Yeah, um, back, to, back to the kitchen and the bedroom, basically. Yeah. And, uh -huh. um, you know, you were, you were good enough to be semi-skilled or skilled or highly skilled mechanical engineer during World War II and work on aeroplanes. Um, but ironically, now the situation isn't an emergency anymore. You're not good enough. Sure. Yeah. Mm. It makes no um, sense, Doc. It makes no sense to me. You know, I'm just going to wind up by saying, uh, <laughs> um, pointing out the obvious, which is that I still haven't answered your question. Why do I think? I'm, I've got no answer to this, by the way. I'm not actively refusing to answer your question. What I'm saying is I've got no entitlement to answer that question. You'd yeah. have to ask some women. Sure. Yeah. That's a really, really fair point to end on, I think, Doc. Uh, don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slitanicvercast at gmail.com. Um, until then, part two. Okay, welcome to part two of the show. We're just going to play the track. We're going to listen to it. We're going to chat about it. You ready, Doc? I am. So the track today's track is, of course, track eight from Rainy Blood, which is Epidemic. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm going to stop it straight away. Isn't it lovely just to hear a nice old-fashioned set of Tom Rolls? I really enjoyed that. Um, when I was catching up with the song um, in preparation for this episode, um, I restarted that nine times. It, it, it's fabulous, isn't it? it? It doesn't sound very difficult, and I'm sure Dave Lombardo could do it with, you know, kind of with one hand and three fingers banded together. Um, but, my God, it's a glorious opening to the track. Yeah, and it's um, it's one of those things that was sort of uh, the, the the drum solo or the the, the naked drum fill, um, which was very much a staple of, um, for want of a better expression, we'll say seventies rock. Mm. Um, very much a, a, a hallmark of Led Zeppelin. Um, but 
Um, it's something you hear less and less um, as thrash takes prominence and there's the increased emphasis on economy and the far decreased emphasis on the role of the star musician. Sure. Um, and, of course, nowadays when you try your best not to expose any possibly sampleable bit of any instrument all by itself because um, you're just asking to get knocked off. Mm. Um, so it, it, it's... I think that might be one of the the drum flourishes last appear last last public appearances. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and my God, we we, we we do miss we, we do miss her. Here we go. We we might as well listen to it again, haven't we? Surely. I think so. <laughs> Great tempo. Oh, the, the, to me, this is perfect thrash metal tempo. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to plant a seed in your mind because um, we went through the semiotic exercise at about this point on the previous album. Yeah. And I'm going to invite you to begin to look for foreshadowing um, as we begin to move towards the end of Rain and Blood. Um, because I believe we detected distinct elements of foreshadowing um, towards the end of the Hello Waits album. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, and that, to me, sounds like um, an almost prototype version of something that would arrive fully formed on the next or one of the next two albums. Yeah, it's a really good observation, actually, Doc, because it, it is that speed that I, I think they then kind of stick to, really, for the next three albums, um, uh, South of Heaven, Seasons in the Abyss, and Divine Intervention. That, that's always the forgotten one, Doc, not just by you, by many, many people. Um, this kind of almost, I mean, it's kind of just above mid-tempo, isn't it? It's not, Yeah. I couldn't call it mid-tempo, it's too fast for that. But it's also not like blistering, face-ripping fast. It's somewhere in between. Yeah, and it, it's it's also really worth making the point. Um, I seem to say this every episode recently, um, but going back and listening to it very very carefully, like we have been, um, Rain and Blood is, is is surprising me a lot because no matter how many times I've listened to it, and it's a lot, I've always had this idea stuck in my head that the whole thing is relentless face ripping yeah. carnal brutality from beginning to end, and it really isn't. It's a, it's got a lot yeah. more colours and shades in it than that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way more textured, isn't it, actually, when you start to really analyse it. But isn't it curious that, even though it is way more textured, the overall impression, when you listen to the album as a whole, is that face-ripping stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know? and, 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 and maybe we're going to explore that in our kind of album overview in, in, in two or three episodes' time. I think that's something we definitely need to visit because it's, yeah. it's something that surprised me greatly. Yeah, no, yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, ready for another 30 seconds or so? Definitely. Let's go. Two of agony. Death of chemistry. 
simple, isn't it? For, for Slayer, this is very, it's simple in terms of the, the riffs, the way that the lyrics interact with the riffs, um, and just the structure overall. Overall, it, it, it's very, very standard. Not a criticism, by the way. Yeah, now um, here's another mismemory of mine, um, which I had to correct myself on earlier today. Um, so I, I'm going to, in, in my crude and untutored way of describing music, I'm going to attempt to describe a thing that latter period thrash does. Um, and it's where you time the downstrokes, um, whether they're chugged or unchugged, you time the downstrokes to hit precisely at the, ta- at, at the same time as the snare hits. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to say the definitive example, um, I know it's not proper thrash, I know it's not proper thrash. <laughs> a definitive example of that is in the um, like sort of instrumental introduction to Mouth for War by Pantera. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great deal of effort and a great deal of practice um, that goes into making sure that the, the downstroke lands at the exact time as the stair hit lands. Yeah. So it's, so it's like a double, a double arrow assault effectively you've, you've yeah. kind of got that kind of almost like trebly thing coming from both directions uh, sort of layered on top of each other mm. um, then some songs will do the same thing with the vocals as well yeah mm-hmm. um who invented that where does that come from um if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> what, what, can, can you cast your mind back because i was convinced this song did it it doesn't mm. but i, I I was so, I've been so sort of conditioned it by my own mind of thinking that's a thrash thing. Yeah. And I sort of had an idea that it came off this album and probably it came off the song, but I haven't heard even one instance of it on this album. So where, where did that come from? I don't know. It'd be interesting if, if, if you detect it on, on the next couple of albums, really. I'm thinking, you know, I mean, the listeners may scoff because maybe my memory is faulty, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking something like Skeletons of Society, from Seasons in the Abyss, um, or maybe, I don't know, like Read Between the Lines. Read Between the Lines, I'm I'm thinking of the the more kind of mid-paced tunes um, that have that kind of crushing down-strum chug going on, um, and Dave just kind of going wild on the snares, you know? So, yeah, maybe that's it. We'll see. We'll see. Keep that in mind, Doc, and when we get there, when we get there, we'll... um, We'll explore it further. Um, let's press on. You know what I'm going to ask you, Doc. So I'm not. I'm not going to waste the breath. Um, right. I'm going to give the most obvious answer. Um, I'm not even going to try and second guess it. I'm going to say that's a Hanneman. And you are correct, sir. Yeah, <laughs> that is a Jeff Hanneman solo. You're getting better again. You had a bit. You had a bit of a dip, but you're you're, you're back on form recently. I, the, the, there, was, there was a little while back there, and I was being. I was trying to be too damn clever for my own good. Yeah, you were overthinking it. What 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 was the giveaway, Doc? Here. I th- I I thought to myself. That sounds like old. That that sounds like what old me, yeah, 
would pigeonhole as a Jeff Hanneman solo. Yeah. And I, I went through a period of trying to second guess myself and trying to be too damn clever. Mm. Um, but tonight, I just thought to myself, you know what? If it sounds like a Jeff Hanneman solo, it might yeah. be a Jeff Hanneman solo. Well, you know, sometimes cliches are true. Sometimes Scottish people are angry. It doesn't make me a racist, does it? You know? Um, no, and cliches exist. Well, popular opinions also exist for a reason. Yeah, yeah, because they're true. Yes. Yeah, here we go. Oh, I've got to stop it there, Doc. I've got to stop it. And you know why. That triplet gallop. Oh, good Lord. That's awesome. Awesome. Let's have it again. Oh, dilly, dilly, dilly. absolutely fantastic. So simple. So maiden. I think this track unexpectedly is kind of harking back to their Judas Priest and Iron, Mer- Iron Maiden worshipping days from Show No Mercy. Um, we've had a couple moments like that on this album, haven't we? We have. Ultra Sacrifice comes to mind. Why is that? Um, why do they do that? Um, so, I mean, uh, the, the, the very first five seconds of the very first track on this album, um, if you can cast your mind back that far into the project, and um, I said that was a, um, a, a, a purposeful burial um, mm. of, of, of the half of the whale. Yeah, you, you, you kind of said it, that, like a deliberate decision to cast it into the past, effectively. Yeah. Um, and... I think we are introducing something else, which I think is going to be dealt with far more on the next two albums. We're introducing a new facet to the, 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 the Slayer cosmology here. Um, and it's one that I'm going to sum up by saying, you can never go back. Mm-hmm. You can mourn for lost innocence. You can regret the mistakes of the past. Um, you can meditate on the tragedies of history, but you can't ever change them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the odd maidenisms and the odd bits of priest and the odd, because I mean, they're not infantilistic. It, it, it's it's not like dressing up in, in 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 children's clothes and longing for a return to the womb. Um, but they're, they're just these tiny little, not even pangs of regret. They're just tiny little ah moments. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just once it's in you, it's in you. And I'm sorry for the for the for the, 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 the black country accent that, that, that kicked in there, but there's no other way to to say it. Once it's in you, it's in you. You know, what once you've got that kind of maiden priest, Sabbath, Venom, you know, even Led Zeppelin, let, let's even go that far. Once you know, once that's in your once that's in your boons, it's in your boons, isn't it? And there's nothing you can do about it. Um it's I mean, maybe I'm projecting a bit much here, but um, I have I have a lot of guilty pleasures um, in my choice of television programs and movies and music, um, and the reason I always sort of send them up as guilty pleasures is I occasionally catch myself thinking, "What well, shouldn't you be a bit beyond this by now?" Mm. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, in the end, it's only music. Um, it's it's a big part of my life. Um, but it isn't my actual life. It no longer has a great effect on my health. 
that's that, that's the wisdom of an older man, though, isn't it? You know, and and, and uh, I share that sentiment. Certainly, when I was younger, I was guilty of taking music far too seriously, um, and you know, like judging people um, based on their musical preferences, which is, you know, as you know, as, as a moderately older man now, I look back on and just. What was I thinking? But of course, I understand what I was thinking. I was kind of young and and, and full of vim and excitement, and I and, and I thought I knew everything. Well, uh, I'm going to stick my neck out here. Um, I'm going to um, dare to provide one of many possible answers to your questions from earlier on. Um, why is metal so male dominated? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, go on. Well, because so much so much of a part of what gets people into metal. Um, is that undirected, that very potent but very undirected rush of um, adolescent testosterone? Yeah, I think both in terms of listening and playing. You know, or did, did, if, if, you know, if, if you actually learn an instrument and can start playing along at the same time, those adrenaline, those adrenaline levels just are, are exacerbated incredibly. You have the Iron Triangle, don't you? You have the uh, listening to the records trying to play the songs and then going to the live shows. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they're very much tribal rites of passage. They're, they're you know, pre, pre-Christian, pre-industrial tribal rites of passage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you go hunting with the mature men um, mm-hmm. and you witness violence and you take part, to, part in acts of violence. You attempt to obtain the skills of the mature men. Um, and by doing so, you're allowed access to the rituals of the mature men. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, very, very good point. So you obs- you observe the the behaviour of your elders to 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 learn the techniques. You then try to replicate the techniques, and then mm-hmm. when, when you, you, once you acquire sufficient mastery, you are allowed into that kind of inner circle, basically. Well, you, you're 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 allowed to call yourself. There's there's another ritual, like maybe circumcision or ritual head shaving or something. But then there's there's a final ritual of manhood, at which point you're no longer a boy and you're you're a, a, a full member of the tribe, and you can you can wear the makeup and you can wear the feathers. I, I, I don't know why looking at me with my shaved head brought circumcision to mind, but I, I, I'll, I'll let you off. It's okay. <laughs> um, it, it it is fascinating, isn't it? You know, just this. I don't know. How much music defines us as young men? Um, I certainly wouldn't be the man that I am today, for better or for worse, if not for bands like Slayer. And that's just a fact. Um, It is fascinating. I have chosen to interpret it thusly, that it's what modern society has um, in place of what I said a moment ago, in place of tribal... It doesn't have them in place of tribal rituals. They're the tribal rituals that modern society has. I mean, if if you look at them through some some very very basic through some very one hundred and one uh, cultural anthropology, um, there's a television program we enjoy talking about a lot. Um, and you once you once asked me a question like, "What what does it mean to you?" And I was mm-hmm. able to reply unhesitatingly, "It's my tribal mythology." Yeah, yeah I did. It's, it's 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 my ethnic folk stories. Yeah, but well, but by a strange quirk of fate, Doc, I actually listened to that very conversation earlier today um, <laughs> it's true yeah but the, the, the doc's talking about a different podcast that we do together called different doctor same old shit which is a doctor who podcast if any, anybody interested in doctor or sci-fi go and check it out it's just me and the doc 
um, <laughs> waxing lyrical in our inimitable style, but instead of talking about Slayer, we're talking about Doctor Who. I mean, who would have who would have guessed he could bring the two worlds together? <clears throat> well, the, 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 there are very specific reasons, um, and it, it, it's, it's worth spending a minute or two just talking about now. Um, so, I mean, um, just to answer your question from earlier, um, Doctor Who, amongst other things, is my is 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 the folklore of my ethnicity. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, far more than the actual folklore of my actual ethnicity is. Sure, um, and music, and specifically metal, um, is the tribal ritual. At some point, we will have to have a long discussion, um, probably in the context of one of the beginning of episode questions, um, which is, um, how did you get into, how did you get into being a fan of anything? What was Mm -hmm. the first thing you were a fan of? Yeah. Um, You know, music or television or film or sport or something else. I expect comic books as well, or or comics, Although I shouldn't talk too much about that because it's it's another one of those subjects where there are many, many people in the world far more expert than I am. And I, and I, I really yeah. need to shut up about it before I make a fool of myself. Well, yeah, I think comics, strangely, is, is a bit of a blind spot for both of us, as it happens. Should, yeah. should we finish the track off? I think we should. 40 seconds. Here we go. The result is eternally. I know I said we'd finish the track off, but I can't lose this doc. Name that solo. Right. Um, I'm going to stick to um, my path of enlightened innocence. Uh, and I'm going to say that was Kerry King. And that was Kerry King, sir. Bravo. <laughs> two for two. Well done, man. It's working for me today. <laughs> So there we have it. That was track eight from Rain in Blood, entitled Epidemic. Um, what do you make of it, Doc? It's a great track. Yeah, um, it is. I've got to sort of think of something new to say. Um, and I've just got to make this point again. Um, every track, so with the exception of one, every track I've heard of Rain in Blood during this project um, has sounded atypical for Rain in Blood, and that mm. one is no that that one is absolutely no exception. Mm. Um, I take your point about it being simple. Um, what do you think about it being? Considering that so much of thrash is about stripping the dead weight or the dead wood out of heavy metal and leaving only the essential moments. Um, the thought crossed my mind. They could have made that a lot more complex. They could have made mm-hmm. it more complex rhythmically. Um, they could have made it more complex structurally. But do you suppose one of the things they're experimenting with on this track is leaving out the complexity? Well, I think so. And we, we, we've talked about it on a couple of previous tracks where there are, there, you know, there are passages where you think, you know, as somebody that writes music, you know, as we both are, um, you, you, you naturally think to yourself, well, you know that that's an eight that's an eight that's an eight bar repetition or you know a sixteen bar repetition, mm-hmm. and and they're, and they're in and out with you know just four bars and they're done. Um, 
So th I think it is just about precision, basically, and efficiency. And that's it. I mean, we'll, we'll be discussing the, um, the lyrics, obviously, in the next section. Um, but here's something I've been meaning to ask you about for ages. Um, do you think Slayer's music is ever particularly mimetic? Right, now, I, I, I'm, I'm going to answer that question, mm -hmm. um, having posed it. Um, in not very long, we're going to come upon one of the most mimetic songs. Um, in other words, a song where the music is as precisely as creepy and evil and menacing mm -hmm. um, as the subject matter. Sure, sure. Um, that's an example I can think of. Um, and you can probably guess which one I'm talking about. Other than that, Slayer are never particularly mimetic. Um, the music doesn't particularly go with the subject matter. There's Ooh. nothing about the music on this track that makes me think of um, an epidemic. Mm. Well, we haven't gotten to the lyrics yet, have we? And, and there could be some things to talk about there, Doc. Um, but in terms of, you know, their, their music being mimetic, you know... It, even just last week, we, I, th I think we were both very surprised by the subject matter of Reborn, um, yeah. because there is nothing about the music that suggests that that is about witches, is there? There's just nothing about it. Um, you know, so so you know, very, very surprising. In fact, I included a clip um, in, in the edit of um, Cathedral's, is it called Hopkins Witchfinder General? Matthew Hopkins, which find a general, yeah. Matthew Hopkins, which find a general, um, and to be honest, you, you know, you, you could make the same accusation there. The difference is they make it very, very clear by including a little sample of Vincent Price um, speaking at the beginning, so kind of clues you up. But without that, I, th I think the Cathedral song you could you can make the same accusation of, really. I know you can say, oh, that's a special case, oh, that's a special case, about almost everything, about almost anything. But that particular cathedral track is very obviously, to my ears, meant to be an obvious call back to um, <laughs> Spanish Inquisition and Euro trash and witch-obsessed Nawaban bands. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, which find a general. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but yeah, very good point, Doc, yes. Very, very good point. Um, but it, as, as for Slayer being mimetic, well, I don't know. I, I think they do spooky very well. Mm -hmm. I presume earlier you were alluding to Dead Skin Mask, I'm guessing. Of course I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and then you've got things like 213, you know, very similar. I think Dead Skin Mask is about Ed Gein and 213 is about Dharma, I think. Yes. Um, and, you know, very, very similar tropes being trotted out by them. Um, but no, it's, it's certainly true. But then again, you know, how would you make um, like a, a thrash metal mimetic representation of um, what's his name? Um, oh, God, the Angel of Death. What's his name? Joseph Mengele. Joseph Mengele. You know, um, I think the way in which they chose to do it um, is just by writing some music that was so unremittingly aggressive and violent and offensive. Mm. There's nothing about the music that suggests a Nazi surgeon at work, mm -hmm. um, but there's something about the music that um, the music is intended to be as difficult to deal with as the facts, as the historical facts it's describing. Well, certainly, I mean, something horrible is being described. There's no doubt about that. But maybe we just don't know 
maybe we just don't know the details. Anything else, Doc? Because we are kind of straying into kind of the lyrical territory there. And it, 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 anything else, Doc? Before we move on to the onto the words and stuff. Um, no, I mean, mm. um, I'm glad I've got those two solos right. I'm glad yeah, I've got very good. Yeah, very good. Thank, thank God for that. Now, hopefully, Gareth Southgate can get Ukraine right. I'm, in my yeah. mind, you get guessing the solos correctly is a portent of what's to come. On is that an augury? I think so. I think so. Sir. Excellent. Um, let's move on. Welcome to part three of the show, where we go through the lyrics, basically. Um, I'll read the lyrics, and then me and the doc will talk about it. You ready? I am. Verse one. Bring it back to poverty. Investors driving to the sea. It's that your car can stop to me. Let the chances dominate. Waiting to unfold. Raging out control. Breeding fast in poverty, infectious driving dormant seed. Inside your carcass start to mate, left in charge to dominate, waiting to unfold, raging uncontrolled, adapt to potency, death machine infest my corpse to be. All very, very dramatic, Doc, but what on earth does it mean? Honestly, that first line really, really, really gave me pause. Yeah. Uh, and well, you, you can probably guess what... On the first, I, I, I assumed from the first line, I assumed from reading the title, um, it was a song about infectious diseases. From reading the first line, I, assumed, I, I then assumed it was going to be a song about um, third world overpopulation. Well, mm -hmm. well, my my note next to this next to this lyric to you know to uh, probe your brain with is social commentary question mark. I'm going to ask you to meditate on this as 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 we go through the lyrics. As far as I know, microorganisms don't have any understanding of the express of, of the concept of poverty or wealth. Sure. Um. Microorganisms, as far as I know, have no concept of capital um, or scarcity. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as I know, the only creatures known to, known, known to biological science that do have any concept of capital or scarcity, and therefore poverty, um, are human beings. The next few lines made me doubt my initial thought about what it was about. Um, and then there's some fascinating ambiguities uh, in that second stanza uh raging and control yeah. diseases are always referred to as raging uh-huh people always refer to um the cholera epidemic raging at the time sure raging out of control basically you know yeah 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 um, it, it, three months ago covid was raging out of control in india uh, that, that, that that's a headline straight out of the daily mail isn't it yeah, um, and of course it's completely untrue because, uh, once again, microorganisms don't have any concept of emotions. No. Mm -hmm. um, but populations do. Mm. Um, along with other stuff. Um, and I, I suppose one of the reasons this thought popped into my mind, um, I'm on the verge of saying some stuff that I'm possibly ill-informed about and might actually be deeply dodgy. Um, okay. 
and I need to sort of back away from it because um, I'm I'm at the risk of saying some things that may be untrue and may also be very very offensive. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not comfortable, Doc, then then we don't say it, do we? Um, if I were more certain of my facts, mm. um, I would be more comfortable talking about it. Um, it's valueless to me, valueless for me to speak on a by and large uninformed opinion. Um, I'm almost kind of going to bring this section, this 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 little bit of comment of mine to a close, and then hand over to you, and say I'm not unconvinced. Um, it's about the social conditions brought about by poverty and by poverty and overpopulation um, in third world countries or in third world cities. Well, I initially started thinking about whether it was to do with HIV, but but, but I, 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 you know I, I didn't do the research to know if my dates were correct. You know, by by this point in time, is it too early? You know, um, you know, for, for for a band to be talking in, in this way about HIV. That, 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 that was my initial initial thought. It would be too early for the world at large. It certainly would not be too early for people from Bayside, San Francisco. Well, there we go. They're, they're in the perfect spot, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. That, was, that, that, was my, that was my impression as well, that, that, that it would have arrived in San Francisco, you know, way earlier than anywhere else, just, just based on the culture there. Um, yeah, and I mean, I... I I think I've heard some statistics that um, 30% of deaths amongst gay men in the San Francisco Bay Area in the year 1985-86 um, were in some way HIV or AIDS related. There we go. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there are influence. I don't, I don't think it's directly a track about HIV, but maybe that was an influence. Well, it, what, what other... Um, notable epidemics um, were at large in the world at, the t- mm. at, at, at that particular time. I suppose mm. we should have done our fucking research, shouldn't we? We should have done, but but but, but you know that 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 is all presupposing that the track is actually about an epidemic, isn't it? We all know that um, famine and starvation, um, which actually turned out to be not environmental, it turned out to be very carefully manufactured by those people's own governments. Mm. We all know that was big news. Um, and we had sanctimonious millionaires making records. Um, <laughs> Bono! 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 That's an Alan Partridge reference, by the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, um, there's, there's, there's one of mine as well, because uh, it was obviously uh, Bob Geldof's baby. Oh, someone yes. once said to me, you know, if, if, you, um, if, if you could say something to, um, to Bob Geldof about that, what would you say? And I said, uh, and I said, what I'd say is, you know, Bob, it was real saintly of you um, putting so much effort into helping all those complete strangers. It might have been even better if you put half the amount of effort into looking after your own wife and your own child. Mm. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you little bitch. <laughs> you little bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and <clears throat> uh, so we, we know what sanctimonious millionaire rock stars um, were greatly concerned about. Um, at that point, I believe that was also the year that um, Chumbawamba released their album "Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records." Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I, I was not. I was not familiar with this. Yeah, but I, I, I don't recall um, a particular 
um, epidemic or a particular disease outbreak at about that time, except for the one you're talking about. Inside your um, carcass, start to mate, duck. Um, and, th and this starts to make me puzzle, you see, because just just the, the use of words here. Can viruses mate? Is, it, is that normally what we associate with? I mean, viruses breed and multiply. I've never heard a scientist say, you know, that, you know, that the, the COVID-19 is mating and therefore we're going to get variants, you know? Interestingly, going back about 10 years, um, I was in conversation and I'm not making this up. I was in conversation with an imminent immunobiologist um, who was doing some very cutting edge virus research. Mm -hmm. And um, he said that within the previous four or five years, viruses had been discovered that appeared to have sex cells, that, mm -hmm. that, that um, appeared to have zygotes. In other words, um, appeared to be able to reproduce sexually. Um, that was not even suspected before about the year 2002, 2003. There wasn't evidence of that until the year 2008, 2009. And bless them, Slayer, whatever else they are, are not world-leading immunobiologists. And there, there's... No, 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 not as far as I'm aware. Um, there's no way that... There's no way the idea of viruses reproducing by means of gametes or zygotes would have been in the popular consciousness. Um, people knew, quote unquote, knew that viruses reproduce by division. Mm -hmm. um, from mitosis or meiosis, I can't remember which. Uh, it's mitosis. Meiosis is sexual reproduction. Um, so, uh, no, um, inside, there's no concept of viruses mating. I don't think so. And then we get this, the fourth line's interesting to me, left in charge to dominate. Now, left in charge is a bit weak, I think, but I think it serves a purpose here because it's, it's, it suggests a kind of control, like a guiding hand in some way. So to me, what's happening here, some, some force or some person, some organisation, whatever it happens to be, has deliberately infected either a person or people, and then they're, they're now just kind of standing back to see what happens. Well, this is um, like uh, Hiroshima visions of hell stuff, isn't it? Um, you know, where um, in a cataclysm, all forms of social order are completely inverted and the lowest form of life becomes the highest. Mm -hmm. um, so pe people were fascinated to, dis to, to discover that um, very shortly after the irradiation had exterminated everything else, um, the, the, the dominant life forms um, in the bits of Hiroshima city that were left were cockroaches and you know, quite literally left in charge to dominate possibly a reference to that, that um, whatever else Slayer are unschooled and ignorant about they are not unschooled and ignorant about World War II atrocities that's true that, that's certainly true um, we were talking about Doctor Who earlier on yeah um, do you remember now it would be fascinating um, <clears throat> if Slayer ever saw this episode of Doctor Who um, on PBS, Davros, make, Davros, the creator of the Daleks, makes a speech which pretty much contains this line um, where he, he, he talks about if he'd, create a, if he'd created a virus um, that could destroy all life. And he goes off on this, this sort of rambling whiffle about um, how he's fascinated by the idea um, that um, he could reverse the order of an entire planet 
um, and make a tiny microbe um, the only form of life, dominating above all others. And you say such power would set me up above, uh, set me up above the gods. Do it in the proper voice, Doc, please. <clears throat> to imagine the tiny pressure of my thumb upon a capsule, just enough to break the glass. A tiny microbe, master over all creation, ruling supreme above all others. Such a power would set me up above the gods, and through the Daleks I shall have that power! <laughs> like that. <laughs> Very good, Doc. Very good. I, do, I also love the bit where he goes, what, it's something like, would I do it? Yes. yes, yes, fantastic. Yeah. Any, anybody who's got no idea what we're talking about, it's Doctor Who. It's a story called Genesis of the Daleks. Honestly, do yourselves a favour, guy. Go and find it on a dodgy streaming site. It's fabulous. Um, last line here, Doc. Uh, Death machine infest my corpse to be. Let me tell you something. I think this song is about using some kind of virus to create super soldiers. That's my take on this song, Doc. That's my hot take. Right. When did that become a... When did that become a trope? Because, I mean, it's... In, in, in terms of military, military tactics, it's a stupid idea. Um, mm -hmm. Somehow attempting to weaponize zombies or use a virus to turn your army into unstoppable killing machines. Now, I don't know whether, noted, whether anyone's noticed this, but the whole point about unstoppable killing machines, you don't want your army to be unstoppable killing machines. You want to be able to stop them. Yes, yes because when you give them an order that they don't like, they're not going to stop, are they? No. That's the problem. That's the problem um, with unstoppable killing machines. Well, and if, for instance, um, you want to incapacitate your enemy's infantry, um, and then occupy their beautiful country and make use of it yourself. Um, you don't want it full of unstoppable killing no, machines. No, you, you don't want the Jem'Hadar knocking around, basically. No, um, and if, if the unstoppable killing machines happen to be pointing in the wrong direction when they become impossible killing machines, well, that might be bad as well. Yeah, so um, that reminds me of um, something, I, I, think, I think it was on QI, um, where they were talking about... I believe it was the I believe it was the the British were training dogs to plant bombs underneath enemy tanks during a, a particular battle. They tried to implement this tactic. Problem was the dogs didn't know the difference between the enemy tanks and the British tanks, so the dogs just turned around and planted the bombs under the British tanks. Um, I actually thought you were going to say that during the training process, the dogs had developed such attachment to their handlers that when their handlers attempted to bolt in the opposite direction, the dogs kept following them. <laughs> um, what, what, what do you think about my theory here, Doc? Is it possible this is a song about super soldiers? Um, yes. Yeah. Um, it's distinctly possible because um, it's Slayer. Yeah. Shall we verify with uh, verse two? Yes. Unyielding kings of agony, test your body chemistry, pulmonary overthrow, possession of your inner throne, invasions quickly override, 
malicious domineering strike, flood your veins, commit slow death, deteriorate your maker's met. It's gibberish, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, kind of. Um, so we, we, we once again sort of have to um, twist ourselves around a bit, a, 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 a little and enter the, uh, enter the disturbed mind of Kerry King to try right. and work out. You're correct. It is, this is scribed by Mr. King. You, you're absolutely correct. I don't, um, I, I don't know how you knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you said it yourself. It's gibberish. It's just total gibberish. It, it's a bunch of words that kind of sound good together, grammatically all over the place. There's no real meaning here. We've discovered this about Kerry King, and I, I think we can say with a little bit of authority now. Um, he's one of those writers, um, like amongst others, H.P. Lovecraft and M.R. James and people like um, and he's not very good, but he is great. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a curiosity, because I find him en endlessly absorbing. Um, but, 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 you know, but I acknowledge that the quality is not there. You know, he's Sean Hudson, isn't he? You know, he's Sean Hudson. Great, great schlocky horror nonsense. Do not expect an ounce of sense from it. The thing is, and I keep coming to this conclusion every time we do one of these episodes and we look at Kerry King's lyrics. Um, he isn't very good, but my God, he tries his best. He really, really paid attention in Englet class. Mm -hmm. um, when the teacher was talking about poetic, how, how to use poetic devices. Um, and how to make allusions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very imaginative, figurative, illusory. It always scans. Um, you know, the rhythm, the syncopation is always correct. But sometimes the meaning is absent. Yeah. Um, so let's do our best. Unyielding kings of agony test your body chemistry. I mean, um, test suggests, again... A bit like that, uh, what, what was the, the thing I pointed out earlier? Um, oh, left in charge, yeah, so left in charge and test. Again, this suggests deliberate action to me, Doc. Right, so um, are, we, are, we, are, are, are we in a mad scientist laboratory here? Well, that's what I think it is. I think it's a crazy, whacked-out scientist trying to produce a strain of superior soldiers using some kind of virus. That's my take on the lyrics, Doc. <laughs> as, as bonkers as that sounds. Well, um, I suppose if, if, if I were really stretching it um, beyond, um, I think, what it was ever even intended to be, I might suggest I don't see why it can't be both. Mm. Um, I don't see why the crassest pulp horror can't also function as social commentary. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, there are layers, aren't there? There are layers. Yeah. Pulmonary overthrow, it's a great image. And again, I think this, this, this leads me to the super soldier theory. Pulmonary overthrow, pulmonary refers to the lungs, I believe. Um, the, the heart and lungs. Heart and lung, heart and lung system. And yeah. to me, it's, it's kind of saying, well, pulmonary overthrow, you, you don't need those anymore. You know, we, yeah. we've got something better than that. That's gone, that's redundant. Um, possession of your inner throne... I don't get that at all. I mean, it kind of sounds like a like a self help book, doesn't it? Really, like clasp your inner candle, some kind of bullshit <laughs> like that. You know? um, uh, yeah. Um, 
unleash the goddess within that yeah, yeah you got it you, you got it you know we, uh, we we all remember the friends episodes where they, they all get in touch with their inner goddesses yes no okay honey i know you didn't mean to i know me too rachel hang up you're supposed to be taking a goddess quiz you know you should lose like a hundred points just for calling your boyfriend in the middle of it <laughs> thank you thank you Okay, question number 28. Have you ever allowed a lightning bearer to take your wind? I would have to say no. <laughs> and I would have to say, paha. <laughs> what? Do you not remember the puppet guy? Yeah, you like totally let him wash his feet in the pool of your inner power. <laughs> and his puppet too. <laughs> yeah, okay, well at least I didn't let some guy into the forest of my righteous truth on the first date. From that point, I'm finding it difficult to find any meaning really. Inv invasions, quickly override, whatever. That last line, deteriorate your maker's mess. Your, your maker's mess, sorry. Mess, I mean, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> grammatically, obviously all over the place. And I've, I've, I've literally got no idea what it means. Well, um, I think it's lacking a semicolon. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, that works. Yeah, deteriorate, semicolon, yeah. your maker's met. You're, as in, you are now going to meet your maker. Your maker. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, any, any, any other thoughts here, Doc? On this, on, on these two stanzas, or on, on on the rest of the song in general? On the, you know, these particular lyrics that we're focusing on. Pulmonary overthrow. I I I think you're spot on about that. Um, don't your your heart and lungs um, are literally dissolving into foam and coming out of your nose. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, don't worry about that. We can fix that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've 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 got these plastic ones we can graft on. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, possession of your inner throat. I, we assume it's supposed to be an allusion to um, some form of mind control. Yeah, the, the, the inner throne, is it like somebody's consciousness or, you know, their kind of essence of being? Yeah, um, the, the, um, the seat of power, yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. personal seat of power, that their yeah. consciousness, where, where, where they live. It's a strange illusion, isn't it? Um, yeah, and it's clearly not just stuck in there to make something rhyme, because it don't fucking rhyme. No, it doesn't. No, you're right. It's a good point. Good point, Doc. Yeah, test your body chemistry. No no rhyme there, is there? Um, and then the next three lines, I just think are, um, you know, just nonsensical, really. Um, well, malicious domineering strike. What? Um, so, wh who, who, where's where's the malice coming from? Is 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 the malice coming from the mad scientist? Because I, I mean, I, I can I can understand scientists being mad, but not malicious. No, no, no. I don't get it, Doc. I don't get it. Uh, um, should, should, should we should we try and piece something something together from the next little uh, next little extract? Yeah. Perpetual demise on the fast decline, killing tendency. Perpetual demise, on a fast decline, killing tendency, epidemic, permanent disease. Now, I do like these lyrics. Whether whether they make sense or not is by the by. But actually, as as, as four lines, I, th I think they're quite pleasing. Um, 
on a perpetual demise on a fast decline is that an oxymoron to you doc because it is to me perpetual demise on a fast decline if something is perpetual it lasts forever so any decline surely is going to be ve- I mean, you know infinitesimally slow yeah I, i've got two little pointlets to make here going back to what you originally suspected um on our fast decline um, would seem to be the most overt allusion to the transition from HIV positive to full-blown AIDS. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. So we, 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 we have, we, we've still got two theories kicking around here. Yeah, we have. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm going to make a flat attempt to back this up by saying that um, I think in the year that this album was written, the generally accepted seven-year-ish incubation period to go full-blown was not very well understood mm. and it was fairly well understood that people would be stable with HIV for some time mm. um, in theory perpetually mm-hmm. um, and then something would happen for instance they'd get pneumonia or they'd go on a, a really bad drugs bender or something sure. uh, and then they'd go full-blown mm. um, so I mean I I don't think we should completely discount your, your, your original theory. Um, there's some intentional muddling here, I think. My second little pointlet. Um, an epidemic, the consequences of an epidemic don't affect one, per, affect one person, but an epidemics affect populations. Sure. The song's called Epidemic. We get the reuse of the word epidemic, permanent disease. Um, so we've, we've almost got um, another bit of the Slayer mythos here. We, we've, we've, we've almost got some of Slayer's binary deal, uh, some, some of Slayer's um, Gnostic binary dualism. Um, and in this case, the dualism between the individual and society. Um, individuals get sick, but society also gets sick. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think this is the verse where they talk about the effects of it's, it's, it's this explicit use of the word epidemic. The previous couple of verses have been about the effects of the virus on the person we're studying. This particular verse is pulling out, zooming out, um, not quite taking a God's eye view, but, but take, taking a macroscopic view um, of the effect of the epidemic on the, the, the society at large. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It, 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 I think? I think it's perfectly plausible. I, I think both theories are actually... Uh, I think we could argue both theories at this point in the song. Um, you know, perpetual demise on a fast decline. If, if, if you go with my theory that it's a mad scientist creating a super soldier, um, you know, once he's administered the virus, this person is effectively dead. He's on a fast decline medically. Um, and, and then the end is, is almost like existential killing tendency epidemic permanent disease the permanent disease the permanent disease is the tendency of human beings to kill each other so it, it, I, th- I think there are ways to, to argue both points so do i yeah uh, shall we look at the last verse and see if it gives us any clarity or come on then doc we just three lines left to go Incapacitate, fall into your fate, 
pain results in screams, bleed internally. Years will pass before it can be cured. Now, superficially, I think this totally backs up your thesis here. Um, you know, the, the, the pain results in screams, bleed internally, a very kind of visceral um, description of, of, of a potential symptom of HIV. And then years will pass before it can be cured, almost like a, a prediction that this is a, 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 a disease that is blighting our society at the moment. But it's almost, it, in fact, it's quite hopeful for, for Slayer, isn't it? Because even though they're saying years will pass, they are actually acknowledging the fact that it will be cured. Slayer are always hopeful, if, if, if hopeful is the right word. If we go back to another part of the, the Slayer cosmology that we've discussed before, um, there is only one war and it's always the same war. Yeah. Um, effectively, within the Slayer cosmology, the suffering of individuals is inevitable, but genocide is impossible because mm -hmm. you always need people for the next round of the war. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the society may suffer greatly and a, a large number of individuals may die very painfully. Um, but in the interests of the foot, not for any humanitarian reasons, but in the interests of furthering the war, the forces of the universe um, will find a cure because you, you, you can't you can't wipe out humanity. Humanity is needed to continue the warm war. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the, the eternal war becomes invalid if there if, if there are no soldiers to fight it effectively. That's right. Yeah, 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 I get it. But but, but again, I, I think we can argue it both ways. Incapacitate, fall into your fate. So incapacitate, okay, so you fall you fall sick with, um, you know, with, with, with full-blown AIDS, fall into your fate. A little bit a, a little bit of judgment there, potentially. You know, you've kind of brought this on yourself in a way. Um, pain results in screams, bleed internally. Well, I mean, that line you can interpret for, for either thesis, can't you? Um, yes, you know the the the, the, uh, the procedures required to turn somebody into a super soldier results in pain and internal bleeding, or the unfortunate side effects of you know of AIDS and HIV um, leads to leads to similar things. But then that last line, it, it is hard to square that circle. Years will pass before it can be cured. I can't make the link there with the super soldier theory, Doc. There's a couple different things. Are we meant to be observing the, the, the result of a, a, a failed experiment? Um, so um, obviously the way that immunization works is to inject someone with a mild strain of a virus in the mm -hmm. hope of producing immunity. I presume the mad scientist experiment here um, is to inject someone with rabies. Yeah, <laughs> or, or loads, loads. How much are you putting in? Loads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn, turn them into an unstoppable killing machine. Sure. Uh, but then, uh, co uh, coeval with that, you have to develop a that You've got to develop a treatment for the rabies that stops the, the, the people you've injected it with from, from dying themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you've got almost a... Yeah, sort of concept of this 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 mad scientist and his experiment you've almost got a, a, a leavening of um of, of angel of death angel of death as a thing to listen to and a subject matter to study it it's it takes a lot out of you it, it's 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 not an easy study uh and it's not something to be taken lightly um and you've almost got 
because it's almost too much of a downer, um, you've got a ritualized exorcism. I'm going to talk about the atomic bombing of Hiroshima now. And many people consider that the generations and generations of Japanese monster films that began production in the early 1950s were a ritualized and eventually comedic exorcism or a psychological working through of the trauma of that event. Well, that, I mean, that, that's certainly something that I've read many times and, and, and have actually absorbed it into my subconscious as fact. Are you going to blow that theory apart, Doc? No, I'm not. I definitely think that there's... Um, if you go back to the the, the, the first movie, Gojira, um, there are too many direct allusions for that not to be true. The production of the film um, was actually inspired by um, the third nuclear atrocity, which the US committed against Japanese people. Go on, Doc. Um, Inform us. Oh, um, when they tested their first hydrogen bomb, um, at Bikini Atoll. Oh, yes. Um, and it turned out three times more powerful than they expected um, because they didn't expect um, lithium-6 to be fissile. Um, and it eventually ended up killing the crew of the Japanese fishing boat. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which legally placed the US in a position of having violated a treaty which it insisted on being signed. Yes. Um, so part of the treaty was that the US would never use nu- would, would would never use nuclear weapons against Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, so the first Godzilla movie was definitely put into production at least in part as a protest against that. When you watch the movie, um, it's about World War Two. Mm. Um, mm. the, the, there are far too many direct allusions for it not to be. Mm. Um, so what I was talking about is there's a possibility and no more than a possibility that this song is intended to be a a psychodrama or a ritualized, a a, a lightweight ritualized work through of the genuinely traumatic issues that get raised in Angel of Death. Yeah. Um, It's nothing as crass as, oh, don't take it so seriously. It's something far more productive than that. Um, it, It functions almost as a way of, um, almost as a steady aid. Um, so you were really traumatized by that stuff and you probably don't want to go back there. So what we're going to do, in the same way that you, you, you treat arachnophobia by getting people to handle rubber spiders, then little spiders, and you work back up to the big ones. I think it's possible to, to view, if your theory is correct, this is some, some sort of, yeah, a, 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 a psychodramatic take on helping you overcome your trauma with the intention that you can possibly study this stuff with an open mind instead of blanching and looking away from it and going, it's too horrible. Mm. I think I've done very, very well there, Doc, because you've spoken very eloquently and very seriously for two or three minutes. And the whole time in my head, I just wanted you to say the word Godzilla in the with the correct uh, intonation, sir. <laughs> that's my bad. That, 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 that's my juvenile mind at work. In 1954, no tests. They were trying to kill it. Him, an ancient alpha predator. Millions have to live deeper in the oceans, further underground, absorbing radiation from the planet's core. 
the organization we work for, Monarch, was established in the wake of this discovery. A multinational coalition formed in secrecy. A god, for all intents and purposes. A monster. Fifteen years ago, we found the fossil of another giant animal in the Philippines, like Godzilla. Anything else to say here, Doc? Or should we, or should we move on to our final wrap-up thoughts? I've got one more thing to say. Go on. Um, <clears throat> in one of the later um, Japanese monster movies, I can't remember which one it is, um, they've, taken, they've stopped taking themselves seriously to the extent that when Godzilla appears in Yokohama Bay and starts moving towards the city, there are two salarymen the two sort of normal Japanese office workers um, out, presumably on their lunch break. And when they spot a fuck-off huge monster in the bay, one of them pulls out a sort of spotter's guide and uh, they both thumb through the book until they, fi- they, 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 they find the entry on the monster that's appeared in the bay. <laughs> and, and they both point at, they both point at it and go, Godzilla, Godzilla! Godzilla! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope that um, book was called uh, Dummy's Guide to Muto. <laughs> I really do. Um, I, I, just really, I just really like the idea that in the Godzilla universe, by the mid seventies, um, monster appearances are so frequent and so accepted that you, you can you can now go and go to a bookshop and buy a sort of small, slender volume that will help you identify the monsters when they show up. It's a brilliant idea. Have you have you seen the film The Host, South Korean movie? No. Um, they, they, I recommend it. I, I think you'd like it. It's a monster movie, but but, but there is a the, 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 there's a great sequence in the part that you've just brought to mind, where this kind of monstrous thing emerges from the lake um, and starts clinging to a bridge. And it, if that was an American movie or a movie set in London or Paris, people would be screaming and and running running in fear. But in it, in the host, if my memory is correct, they just kind of look at it and go, oh oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's good. Welcome to part four of the show. Here we're going to give you our final thoughts. You know what I'm talking about. Writing credits. Uh, music is by Hanneman and King. And lyrics, as if you hadn't guessed, by King alone. Um, set, according to Setlist... Uh, this track was played 157 times in total, putting it in a cool 46th position. First play, um, it's, it's getting a bit robotic, to be honest, this because it's the same each fucking week. First play, <laughs> the Moore Theatre in Seattle, 31st of October 1986, as with many of these tracks. And the last play was at the Riot Fest in Colorado on the 19th of September 2014. As I've said many times now, this was the last, to- the last time they played Raining Blood in its entirety. According to Loudwire, um, here's what they say. Epidemic comes in at, tra- at number 19 in total of all of Slayer's tracks. And they- here's what they say about it. It begins with one of Dave Lombardo's tremendous drum fills, totally agreed, and blasts into a classic muted power chord riff. Like most songs on Rain in Blood, the pace is uncompromising, matching the intensity of hardcore with the precision of the best thrash. Lyrically, lines about a bubonic plague-style disease are a refreshing change of pace from all the verbiage about Satan and serial killers. Now, I've got to say, Doc, this, this could be the first Loudwire entry that I don't entirely agree with, because... I don't think lyrically it is about the bubonic plague. 
And I don't think they have been banging on about Satan and serial killers on Rain in Blood. So I don't really know what they're talking about there. Um, have we had a serial killer song yet? I mean, I mean, maybe Piece by Piece is about a murderer. Yeah. Um, but whether it's specifically about a serial killer, I don't know. Uh, necrophobic is obviously somebody existentially in crisis about the prospect of their own death. Angel of death, no, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so on this album. So I don't quite know what they're alluding to there. Um, any final thoughts, Doc, before you, um, before you, before you give your, now, by now, surely, infamous Liquescent Swords? Well, yeah. So if this song was about bubonic plague, Kerry King would not have been able to, he, he, he would have been physically incapable of not using the word pustule. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you, you can't have the chance to use a word like pustule in a metal <laughs> track and not no. use it now, can you? No, 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 no. S- no. Sitting on your stools, covered in pustules. I mean, it's obvious. <laughs> it's, it's obvious. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't agree with that Loudwire article. I, I, I think, I think, strangely, Doc, unlike us, they haven't spent the best part of fucking 50 hours now analysing Slayer lyrics. So, <laughs> you know, I'll cut them a bit of slack for that. Um, um, yeah, uh, they ain't lived where we've lived. They no. haven't spent 50 hours plus inside Kerry King's head trying to understand what it's like in here. <laughs> they haven't. And they wonder why we talk such nonsense at times. <laughs> um, it's a great song. It's a bit of a, you know... I don't know. I think this is just like a head-banging classic. It's that perfect tempo all the way through. Um, there is a, 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 a simple yes, but but certainly very, very effective. Um, it turns up, it does what it's got to do, and then it fucks off. I really like yeah. it. And for that, um, it deserves a bit of praise for precisely that, which is why I'm going to give it seven Loquescent Swords. Seven Swords for the Dock. Seven Liquescent Swords. I mean, what do I do in this situation? Um, well, while you're I, thinking, since listeners, I've just mentioned Seven Swords and so did Mo. Soon we will tell you the ancient and hilarious saga of Gilbert of the Seven Swords of Armageddon. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the Seven Swords of Megiddo, I think. I believe he thought there were the Seven Swords of Armageddon, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 an oft-told tale in the pubs of Starbridge. Surely, yes. surely it deserves a bigger audience. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it eight mouldering Mazephus skulls. Eight That's out of ten, Doc, for me. Um Okay, that about does it for this episode. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be talking about the ninth track from Raining Blood, which is, of course, Doc, post-mortem. I'll see you then. See you later.